Welcome to Shidduch University, Shidduch U from Adayad. Hello, I'm Devara Krasniansky, and in this series, I invite experts and professionals to talk about all aspects related to Shidduch dating. Today, we're talking about how do I know this is the one with Mayor Zuckerman, a licensed therapist with lots of experience working with young people in dating and relationships. We spoke about is it really possible to know that this is the one? We also spoke about what aspects should be similar and where differences can work and how to make the big decision and lots more. We unpack that all in this conversation. Good evening all, I'm Debara Kresniansky from Adayad. Welcome to tonight's Shidduch You. Tonight we have a very important topic and I'm really grateful to Mayor Zuckerman for talking to us about this important topic about how do I know if this is the one? And before we get started, I really wanna thank Rachel McLavin from Mask Parents for making the introduction and for being such a big part of this Shidduch U project. So, um, Rahama, just say hello. Let's get started on the topic. Go ahead. Right. Hi. Well, everyone, and it's always great collaborating with Adayat. Thank you, Tabara. Thank you, Mayor for coming on and speaking about this most important topic. Uh, anyone need a referral for a therapist? Please give us a call at 718-758-0400 for all mental health, including addiction. Don't wait until the problems get very big and out of hand. Call early for prevention. Uh, if you want a dating coach, give us a call. Um, we have an after-school program. We have a radio show Thursday night on 6.20 a.m., talklinecommunications.com. And um, let's get started. Okay, so thank you, Rahama. Thank you always for everything that we do here together. Uh, so, uh, Mayor Zuckerman, so let's talk about our big topic. How do we know if this is the one? Right. But before, yeah. can we just talk a little bit about the work that you do in relationships and therapy? Thank you. Sure, sure. So I have a private practice in Lakewood, New Jersey. Um, I'm very involved in working with singles who are uh, looking to get married. Um, I also do a lot of couples work. Um, in addition to that, you know, part of my qualification to speak about dating, I have Kanaina Hara, uh, five children who are married and who my wife and I was able to help through the Shidduch process and, and to successfully marry. Um, and that certainly was a large part of my education in the parsha of helping people uh, to go through the dating process. Right, so there's nothing like life experience to really know. I know we also Baruch Hashem married off our five children, so there's a lot that we learn from that lived experience, but you also have the clinical experience from other yes. people in, in addition to your own family. Yes. So we can talk to this topic of, How do we... this is the one. Right. So I, I, I'd like to start, if I may, just with a, a tefillah, with a, a, a tefillah to Hashem, for Hatzlacha, with this uh, interview, and also specifically, since it is such a weighty topic, that we shouldn't in any way lead anyone astray. Um, it's important, as I address the topic, to recognize that um, as you're watching this and you, you're looking for guidance, that we're talking in general terms. Your specific situation might require different input and while you should you could certainly use the ideas that we're going to be talking about but keep in mind that this may need to be adjusted to your personal life so so just you know as we ask how do i know this is the one i'm, I'm going to back us up a moment you know i heard a a, a verse years ago from rivers real tablets and he quoted a a zayar kaddish the zayar kaddish says that for the length of the relationship, for the length of the marriage, the spiritual food that nurtures that relationship, the relationship is yonik from the dancing that the couple did on the night of their chasana. And he asked, like, what, what's what's the connection? So they danced and they were very excited and levitic at the chasana, and that somehow sustains the marriage throughout the relationship, throughout the length of the marriage. And he explained he said that, that why is the couple dancing at their marriage? The reality is that one person could never fully encompass and understand another person. And when we get married, we have no idea who we're marrying. 
we have no idea the totality of who this human being is. At most, we know them for a short while. And even a couple that's married 50 years still don't totally know each other. So what, what brought them to dance the night of their wedding? They should have, they should have been sad. They should have been scared. They, they should come with fear, with trepidation. And Cedra was real tablet. The only reason why the couple is dancing is because it's a recognition that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mazavik Zavugan. This, this uh, match was put together by the ultimate matchmaker, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so if they're dancing, they're dancing with the emuna, with the faith that this is a good match because it came from Hashem. That faith can then provide the spiritual sustenance that this couple will, will draw from throughout their marriage. So the most important thing to know is that whether whatever your community does, whether you dated five times or 10 times, you've dated for a few months, you can't possibly know this person. So you, you're, to some extent, we're, we're walking in, you know, I hate to say it, but we're walking in to some extent blind. And that was true for myself as well. And Kanaina Hara were holding decades later, but we walked in blind and so does everybody. So we somewhat have to redefine the question. And, and I heard, I think it was Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson who put it this way. And he said that, that life is a journey and we're going to travel this path for, for the, in the course of our life. And there's going to be ups and downs. There'll be trials and tribulations. And there'll also be exciting moments and, and great moments and highs and wonderful times. And, but it's going to be intermixed with the lows and the difficulties. But we are going to go on a journey. And in dating, we're choosing, who do I want to take this journey with? Is this a person that I could see myself taking this journey with? So it's not the one that I know that this one, I know this person, I know them thoroughly, but rather I know enough about them to be confident that I can, uh, I would choose them for this journey through life. That's what we're looking for. It's an interesting thing. You know, we know that today, and this is one thing that I hear a lot from young people who are dating. You know, I know four people that are divorced, they'll say. They'll say, I, I, know, I know so many of my friends, they got married and now they're divorced. It's very scary. And I, I know that when I was dating, when I was a young adult, it wasn't as common. It happened. It wasn't as common. So there's a tremendous amount of fear that the relationship is going to go sour. And then we, we say, but the, the divorce rate never was this way. So what happened years ago? And people say, well, years ago, people stayed in unhappy marriages. And I think this is an important thing to know as you're dating and you're choosing the one. That's not necessarily true. And the difference between now and then was when people got married, they did not see divorce as an exit strategy. And so given that they didn't see it as an exit strategy, they needed to commit to make this relationship work. Research shows that when we're locked into something and we don't have a choice about it, then we suddenly we start seeing the positives in what we have. We bought a car when we don't have the ability to just switch. All of a sudden, we think of all the reasons why that particular model is actually a great choice and so on and so forth with all our major choices. And it's the same thing when you're choosing a spouse. If you walk into it and you're thinking, I'm finding somebody that is compatible, that I could go on this journey with, that I feel comfortable going on this journey with, and then I'm committed and I have a sense about them that they're willing to be committed to that relationship and doing the work, then it won't be that, oh, I'm stuck and I'm in this, but rather the couple will be in it together and they'll be happy together. Right, so it's commitment. Yes. It's, it's fairly confident enough. Yes, yes. And then the commitment from the, there on, that's, that's really right. what we're looking at. That's Just right. to really know we don't fully know ourselves. So how can we possibly know right. the else? And the and, other thing is we move through life. So he will change, she will change through life also. So we have to find someone that we're confident right. that we could journey with. I had an interesting conversation with a young man. Um, he was he was in the process of dating and he'd come back to me after he dated. And when he would reflect on the young woman that he met, um, it seemed like the, the most important thing 
that he always focused on were her looks. Was she pretty? Was she not pretty? And I didn't hear him really talking about her, the other characteristics of the young woman. It was mostly the looks. I said to him, you know, it's an interesting thing. It is important to be attracted to the person that you're going to marry. And looks are important. If people tell you otherwise, they're just not dealing with reality. So, but you know, if, if you dated a young woman, and, and I'm saying it from a, a guy talking about young women, it goes the other way as well. If, if you dated a young woman um, and, and she's beautiful, she's physically attractive. Okay. It, if she's kind, if she's kind at 20, she's likely going to be kind at 40 at 60 and at 80. If she has a sense of humor, chances are she'll retain it. If she's caring at 20, she'll be so at 40, at 60, at 80. There's one characteristic of this young person that you could be sure is not going to remain the same. The way they look at 20 is not the way they'll look at 40, 60, and 80. Yes, it's important, but what are you focusing on? When you are dating someone, it is important that there should be attraction. But when you're looking at their character and you see character that you're attracted to, you see things about them in their personality that, that is just something that really speaks to you. It resonates with you. Those are the characteristics that you need to look at. And, and then, like, like you had pointed out, no, they're not going to remain the same throughout life. But chances are those core personality traits are going to be there. And if they're there now, you could be fairly confident that, that the underlying character will remain the same down the road. That's personality. Right. What, so what else are we looking for? So we want personality of a good medium, a personality that works well with well, well enough with you. Not exactly the same because that's not necessarily even the recipe for, for greatness is when you're exactly the same. Right. You, actually, it's, it's important that you not be exactly the same. So, and, and, and this is where it gets a little bit tricky. So first, let me say that I, I'm a big believer in research. I don't, I don't think you need to hire the FBI. You don't have to get every little detail. And a lot of times, you know, they have always the perm uh, spiel that has the joke about the things that people are asking. And often people are not asking the, the right things. But if you do the correct research, and so the process of getting to the one begins before the couple ever meet. And, and on basics, there should be compatibility. On basics, they should be alike. However, if they're exactly alike, that's a problem. If you have two loud, outgoing people, who's going to be listening? If you have two quiet people who rarely talk, it's going to be boring. And, and how are things going to get done? So on, on many characteristics, it's good to have a mix, a blend of two different types. However, on certain basics, it's not a good idea. So for instance, I, I've had uh, some, some of these are very important. For instance, on finances, you have someone who's a big spender. They're always, they, they're quick to give out money and to, and to do. You have someone who is much, uh, is very much holding on to their money. Now it's, it's nice to have a blend, but if the, the range is extreme, well, one of the biggest topics for fights between couples is money. And this, this couple is going to fight. Um, I've had instances where couples come in for marriage counseling and, and he loves the outdoors. He wants a hike. He wants to do active things. That's all he's interested in. And she's more of a couch potato. She likes, she likes uh, to, to do things that don't require a lot of uh, um, activity. And it, it, becomes, it becomes a problem. Can it work? It absolutely can. I've, I've met couples that are very successfully married, that are very diverse and different, but it has to be something that you thought about beforehand and you talked about beforehand. It, it's something that would come up in the course of the dating. And then it, it could be, you could be successful in that type of relationship, provided that it was something that you considered and thought about beforehand. Right, so that's in personality, but almost when you're describing something about how he's very much a spender or and she's very much a saver, it may even come down to their values and their priorities that are different. It's not only personality. Good. Correct. So thank you for taking me in, in, into the values. Values are, are important. When a couple, they, you've done the research beforehand, 
And as to who does the research, some in, with some couples, it's parents. Sometimes people do it for themselves. It, it doesn't make a difference. Incidentally, when you do the research, you know, generally in, in from circles, you get a, a resume, a piece of paper with names. It's nice to chase down those names and speak to those people. Um, I always advise people, go off that resume. Try to find someone that is not listed on the resume, someone who, who is, so to speak, on your side and has your best interests in mind, they're coming as your advocate, as opposed to the person on the resume, who presumably is the advocate for the other party. So after you do the research, and, and it seems like it's a good idea, then when the couple go out together, you need to talk values. So it's not, it doesn't come up in the first and second date necessarily, although even in those first rather superficial dates, it's already possible to, to get a sense of what's important to somebody. But then you need to have discussions about substantive topics and values. I've had couples come in where um, it, it was his idea, it, always his dream was to have a very large family, eight, 10 children. Her dream was to have at most four or five children. That, that's, you, sometimes it's the things that are, are difficult to compromise on, right? How, how do you do that? So, right, and it, it's just something that can't be done. You know, two point two children, and then and then there are uh, issues of where we're going to live. But those those are are the the simple ones. The deeper questions as to what's important. What is it? What are the values that are important to me? What What are the things that I identify with most strongly? One of the questions I often suggest that people ask and discuss is. In Yitzhashem, you'll have a home. And when someone thinks of your home and they want to describe the whatever, the Goldenberg home, so what one word or phrase would you want to come to mind when someone asks about your home? And, and that's a way of crystallizing. What do you really stand for? What is it that's most important to you? Interesting question. So it, it's it's just values in general. You wanna you wanna get into you wanna talk about uh, what is important. What's your vision for your home? What's your vision for a family? Um, what is it that you'd like to uh, um, grow into over the course of your life? You hope to be a growing person. What is it that you hope to grow into over the course of your life? So these are some values. I'm just going to clarify. Some people interpret values as meaning just hashkafa and Torah values, but we're talking about a much wider range of values. No, it's definitely important to be compatible on hashkafa and Torah values, and and on your religious, uh, the religious area of your life. However, people are much broader than merely the religious uh, area of their life, and the truth is that many of our aspirations the things that we aspire to within our religious life are compatible with our personality and things that we aspire to within our, our individual lives. So the, in, within our personal lives, there are many things that may be important to me. Um, you could have somebody that, that has uh, as a value, yes, I want to uh, excel in Limina Torah, okay, but with that's because I'm somebody that has a tremendous desire to to give over to others. And so my it, it comes from a place within me where I feel a need to be out there in the public eye doing something, giving over. Whereas another person has a tremendous desire to learn merely to know. And a third person, it's in order to really analyze and understand and, and thereby, you know, make connections internally to, to the material and, and sometimes, you know, also to the actual mitzvahs. These people are going to be very different when they talk about other things. So when, when they're walking on, on a boardwalk and they're looking at the ocean, they, they might have very different responses and reactions to the fact that it, there's an ocean there. One person might just look and say, wow, that's a beautiful sight and just move on. And another person will be studying the waves and how did waves work? And, and, you know, mathematically, it's so interesting. And a third person is is just um, appreciating it as Hashem's creation. All, all these things are really based on broader elements of a person's personality. 
it's not merely about how they view Torah values. And a lot of things are going to uh, uh, depend on this. So that person who's more outgoing and wants to teach, and it might be the man, it might be the woman, and she may want to invite more company over, and she may want to do Kirov type things. And if her husband doesn't share that element of a personality and is not comfortable going with that, that's going to be something that's going to be a constant discussion. You never want to have anybody over. I want to have my friends over. I want to have the, I want you to knock on the door of that person down the block. You know, it's it's gonna it's not going to work well. So when we talk about compatibility, yes, we need to have compatibility in our values. We need to be striving for, for the same thing. We need to have the the um, mission statement within our our Torah goals. And then we need to be compatible our values as human beings. And, and sometimes these things become very clear as the couple is dating. It just becomes clear that they're not, they're not valuing the same things, whether it's, it's um, in the discussions, whether it's just something that they pick up on. Um, someone may, may be a very cautious person and they're very uncomfortable with the way the other person is driving, right? Or... Uh, it might be in the way they talk to the people around them. Somebody has a, a, a need for deep respectfulness. And somebody else is, is they're not bad. They're not, they're not, um, uh, it's not that they're lowly in the way they interact with people, but it's, it doesn't uh, come from the same place. So those are values. They're not necessarily Torah values, but they're values. And it's important to, to observe things as well as talk about things. What's important to you? You know, it's easy to stop with the Torah question, you know, what's important to you Torah-wise and Judaism-wise, but it's important. We're going to make a full life together. We need to understand who the person is much more broadly. So what I'm also hearing is that it's a certain amount of self-awareness to start. You could be able to have that conversation. So you want to learn, but I'm using your example, what's behind it? Yeah. What about the learning is so intriguing, so exciting to you? And some people may not yet have an answer. So I think it's important to do some self-reflection or some conversation or journaling or however you're going to get to your own core. Absolutely. And, and you know, this, this goes back to the, the developmental stages because as, as we begin the dating process, in most instances in the firm world, we're at the stage of young adulthood. So the, we've come out of adolescence. In adolescence, the, the uh, goal for the person is to achieve their own identity. So identity formation really takes place during adolescence. And, and hopefully we've been successful in figuring out who we are. And before we could decide, what am I looking for? Who is the one, the one for what? The one for me, who am I? Right? It's the, the, the well-known muscle of someone goes into a train station and asks for a ticket and they say to where? I just want a ticket. You sell the tickets, give me a ticket. Makes no sense. You have to know who are you trying to match. So I have to know who I am. And that's very important. And even though, as you pointed out before, who I am, there are many changes that are going to take place throughout the course of my life. I'm going to hopefully grow and develop and become. But who am I right now? And again, the, that core personality and values, I really need to understand who I am right now in order to be able to uh, uh, later find somebody else and then grow with them. Right. So it's who I am now and where I'm hoping to go, like exactly. the direction I'm going. Because just using the example of, of Ashkafa, just because you're on the same level right now, but if one is going up and one is going down, it's going to become a bigger right. challenge. So I think that the, not only where am I now, but where am I going? Yes. And, and the fact that I believe I should be going and to what extent I should be going because the people that uh, have a, a variance on how much they desire to grow. There are some people that are very much determined and growth oriented and focused. Other people are there. They would like to grow, but it, you know, not too fast at a, at a slower clip. Uh, let me have a pace that's more comfortable. So you need to be, that, that is one of the topics that definitely should be discussed and so that people could um, uh, figure out if they match. I, I do want to say, and you know, this is a very important thing, um, when, when we're trying to figure ourselves out 
And oftentimes it comes up also when we're trying to figure out, is this the one? How do I know? So oftentimes it's, it's worthwhile to talk it over with somebody else. So I want to just address a couple of points in regards to that. Number one, um, uh, a lot of times the, the young person has friends who are either also dating or who are married already. And, and these are the people that they tend to bounce ideas off. I don't think there's anything wrong with continuing to talk to your friends. I think it's healthy to have friends and people that you talk to. However, they may not be the best person to rely, solely rely on to make a decision of this nature because that person that usually will at most have the experience of successfully marrying one person and, and they don't have the broad experience of seeing many people successfully going through the dating process. So I, I wouldn't tell someone not to discuss it with a friend, but at the same time to recognize, and this is not, I, I hope that it doesn't sound, you know, um, like I'm denigrating young people, I'm talking down to them. I, I, I'm certainly not. I think that if you're old enough to be dating, you're mature enough then that you could make a decision on your own as to who to marry. And it has to be your decision. I'm just suggesting that as you go through that process, it is important to, to have somebody that you could talk the whole thing through with. And, and for many people, those are their parents. Now, I, I mentioned that Baruch Hashem, we were fortunate to marry all five of our children. And, and I do this for a living. And my children uh, all spoke to myself. My wife actually, I think, has a lot of wisdom, probably more than me in these matters. And our children did feel comfortable talking to us. However, we encouraged all of them to also have an outside guide or mentor whether it was a Rebbe or a Rosh Hashiva or a Rav or a, a teacher from seminary or a teacher from school, somebody else that the person could speak to as well, the young person could speak to as well. Because nobody will have your back the same way your parents do, and nobody loves you the way your parents do. And then sometimes it's also worthwhile having someone who has a little bit more objectivity and can guide you in a better way. I'm, I'm going to encourage everyone to develop that type of relationship with somebody, be it a Rav, a Rebbe, it could be a mentor. I, I believe in this very strongly professionally. I've had mentors that I would go to and talk things over. The importance of having someone of this nature is that if you've uh, invested the time in the relationship, the person really knows you. Now, sometimes people will call me up and they want to ask me a question or they come in and they're asking me a very weighty question and I barely know them. And I could give them the, the benefit of my experience. I could give them the guidance based on my experience, but I can't yet give them the guidance based on who they are, except in the general way that since I've worked with many, many people, so I could get a sense uh, more or less of what might be going on and who they might be. But it's so important to build a real relationship with an outside party, a mentor. I, I, I'm, I'm biased towards a Rav, okay, because we, we were fortunate. We had a very close relationship with Rav and and we saw this in our lives. And since he passed away a few years ago, we developed a relationship with another Rav because uh, once the person knows you, they can't answer questions initially that are really aimed at you. But when you've taken the time and invested and built that relationship, then when you go to them with your shidduch question and you're talking about it, they're not answering you a generic question. They're answering, answering a personal question based on their understanding. Who are you? What do you need? And they could be extremely helpful to you. Of course, go ahead, I'm sorry. And it's very important because I, when some, so often when you have these shidduch questions, it's like something you have to answer within a couple of days. And so you do reach a therapist or a coach or somebody, they don't have enough time to really get to know you. So I think that's, that's super important to have that relationship yes. with whoever it is, whether it's a Rav or a Mashbiya, just to say that I think a Rav is not, not necessarily are we going to the Rav for a Halakha question. 
Correct. So just, to, just to clarify that, yes, Rav generally yes. is associated with halacha questions or p'sak, but now you're talking right. about the wisdom of the Rav. Right, and I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, and I, I want to clarify something, and I just recently heard this uh, from Shraggy Neuberger, who is a uh, Ram in the Yisrael of Baltimore, and a very, very wise man and an advisor to thousands of Talmudim over the years. And, and he said, when you are choosing a Rav to go to, um, and now we're not talking about halacha, we're talking about a, a guide that could be any spiritual guide, mentor, like I said, it doesn't have to be a Rav, but he said, you should choose to go see somebody who is, has a natural talent in connecting with people. Just because someone has, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to any mashpia or rav or anything like that, but I've heard this from Torah figures from Rabbanim who have said similar things that not every rav is capable of guiding someone in personal and family matters. And a lot of times, you know, a person goes to someone who doesn't really uh, understand or get it or doesn't have that natural talent. And it's not something that really you could learn to, to have that, that sense of it. So again, I, I, I want to I reiterate, I, I, I am not talking, my father is a Rav. I, I would send anyone to my father. He has a tremendous ability in, in connecting with people. Any Rav that has that quality would be a Rav to speak to. And it goes the same if I, I've, I've encountered the teachers and, and the seminary teachers and high school teachers that are really get it, they're really on the ball. And then I've encountered those that, oh my goodness. And the same thing for Abeim and Rashi Yeshiva. It has to be somebody. It, it doesn't matter what their title is, but you need somebody with seasoning and wisdom and hopefully also that has guided other people and has seen more than just one two or five people go through the process but has guided many people through this process and and when you speak to someone like that and you have the advantage as well that they know you then they could really help you and guide you on your path as opposed to if you're speaking to somebody and it's just the first time. They may be brilliant and wonderful, but they they can't really help you in the same way. And and so you and I I don't think that I could speak strongly enough about this uh, topic. Um, but but I I think you know when we were saying before about knowing yourself, this this is part of your preparation for life. It's not only a preparation for dating. It's a good idea to build that type of relationship. Again, I said in my professional life, in my personal life, I, I've always strived to find these types of mentors that I, I could pick up the phone and I could give them a call and talk over something. And, and I want to be clear that they will not make the decision for you. Is this the one? If they're willing to make that decision for you, that is a sign they are not the type of mentor I was talking about. People who truly get relationships and connection will not make the decision for you. They cannot. Only you can make the decision. You should never let anybody browbeat you. You should never let anybody dismiss your, your fears and misgivings. We, we need to talk in more detail about those worries that do come up. But if you are not feeling comfortable that you're ready to go ahead with this one, it doesn't it matter if you have a panel of the 10 biggest or 100 biggest experts in the world. They're not the ones who are going to stand on, under the chuppah. They cannot make that decision for you. You must, you must be confident in yourself. If you're ready to get married, you can make this decision and you can make it successfully. And nobody has the right to take that away from you. I just wanted to add to that. If you don't feel comfortable with whoever you are speaking with, as you're trying to find your Rav or your Mashkiach, your Mashpia, you could push back a little and see how that works because they're not supposed to be telling you what to do. They should be asking good questions and you can say that it doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't sound right. And if and that's the relationship you should anyway be having. Yes. Yeah. 
And, and, and that's absolutely true. And one of the things when I say that you should be getting someone like this, so let's say you, you've had a connection with someone in your life and you think maybe they could fit that role. So even if you've previously been connected or know them, it doesn't mean that automatically they could step into that role. And you might go to them and talk something over with them. If you feel comfortable, then you could go and speak to them again about something else. And over time, you'll build that relationship. But, you know, I, I kind of say it's like doing a test drive. So if you do a test drive and you, you didn't, it didn't feel right, the car didn't, something about the way the car drove or the way this particular seat is or whatever. So if it doesn't fit, what do you do? So you go look for another one. And it's the same thing when you're trying to find someone to fit this role. It's also the same thing with a therapist. People come to see me. Not everybody who comes to see me is compatible and work that works well with me. So they go on to somebody else. That's totally fine. That that's the way of the world. It's, it, it is important that you feel comfortable with this mentor. And it's also important to feel comfortable with the person that you're choosing to spend the rest of your life with. I have to say, I've had couples come into me with, with big shown bias problems. And part of the problem was that there was information that was not given over. Now, I, I wanna say that, that sometimes the information was given to somebody else. I, I've had instances where the parents were told something and then chose not to tell the child because they decided it was best for the child to go forward with the shidduch. Or a, a teacher did this and decided it's not best for, for this person to do to have this and it's better that they have that. And so they suppressed information or convinced them that, that the information which the, was available to the mentor was not so. And they, they, I hate to say it, they lied. They lied in the best interest of the young person. But now the young person is married and they're not happy with it. It's so unfair and it's so wrong. It's so wrong. And I, I actually had a young woman say to me, you know, I, I think if they would have told me this beforehand, I, I probably would have been okay. I think they might've been right. But because of the way it came about, I, I just, I just can't be happy with this. And it, we were able to help her to get past that, but it was so difficult and with such pain and hurt and, and fighting that wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. And it could have been avoided by not taking away from the young person the right to make their own decision. I could tell you that during the time that my own children were dating, there were times that my wife and I found out a piece of information and we went to Rabbi Gissinger, of Racha, to discuss it. And, and the Rav told us, you know, it is, it is a matter of concern. It's not, it's not a deal breaker. Take it to the young person and give it to them as a piece of information. Don't, don't, don't give too much or too little, but make sure that they're aware of the entirety of the piece of information and let them decide for themselves how they want to proceed. And, and it worked. There were times that they decided to go forward. There were times that it was a piece of information that was significant enough they decided not to go forward, but it wasn't our right to decide for them. Only they could decide for themselves. But isn't it also a piece of that, whoever has that piece of information or that, to make sure that they share it and that they know that the other person accepts it. A big, a big part of dating is to make sure that you're accepted by the other person. So it's everyone's responsibility. So this is, this is the way I, I, I choose to, to look at this. Um, if, if there is something about yourself, you're, you're dating, and there's something about yourself that you know, if the other party were aware of it, they would be hesitant to marry you, and you want to get married, don't say a word. However, if you want to be married, you better make sure to tell them, because you could get married and hide that fact from them, and then the moment that they find out, and they'll find out, because this is some of those times you hear about a divorce that took place the week after Shavuot, this is what happened. 
somebody suppressed information. So it'll, it'll be good. You'll get married, but you're not going to be married. And even if you come after the wedding and you tell them, at that point already, the trust is broken. And a marriage is built on trust. We, we need to be committed to each other. We need to know that we have the other person. They have our back. We have their back. And we're one unit. And that could never happen if there's no trust. So if you have something about yourself that the other party would want to know about, you should tell it to them. Now, this is very important. I've had instances where I was treating someone before they were dating, and, and they have some, let's say, a mental illness that, that the other party would want to know about, or a struggle or a challenge the other party would want to know about. And they go out, and we tell people to tell uh, about it after the third or fourth date. And they would tell the person after three dates, it's going really well. They tell the person, and the, the shidduch is off. The other party backs out. And it happens a second time and a third time. And, and then the person comes, and I've had more than one person come to me and say, you know, this is too painful. I invest myself and I try. And, and it just goes to the third or fourth day. And then boom, it's off. I want to just tell right up front. I, I just, this way I get it out of the way. I always advise people, for the most part, I advise people not to do that, to wait till the third or fourth day, even though it means that you did invest yourself somewhat. And the reason is, if I give you a negative piece of information about myself, and that's the only piece of information you know about me, you only have one thing to decide on. Do, do, do you want this or not? But you don't know. You don't know about my sense of humor. You don't know about my caring. You don't know about my thoughtfulness. You don't know anything else about me. There's nowhere for you to put that piece of information Based on that one piece of information, the answer is no. However, once you get to know me and you know so much about me, it's not that much, but it's three dates worth, four dates worth, and you got a sense of who I am as a person and you're enjoying spending time with me. And I also have this challenge that I could get anxious or I sometimes get depressed or whatever it is. So then it's, it's just one piece of information amongst a whole lot of uh, data points, and you might be very comfortable. Uh, yes, I would expect the other party to do research at that point and really check into it. But that that would still allow for a successful shidduch and a, and a successful marriage. And I just want to stress that it's, it's my, my, me with the, with the challenge, it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm accepted, not just to say it, but I would want to know that whatever it is that the other person is okay with, not just that I'm sharing it. Absolutely. And, and the, the importance of that is, again, the, when, we, when we're talking about the, the person accepting us, you know, it's just like I was saying in the beginning, you want to get married, you know, no big deal. So do whatever you want, but you're not going to, you're not going to have a real marriage. And chances are, if it's a big enough piece of information you've hidden, the other person's going to want out. In the same way, I've had instances where people said, but I told him, I told her that. And, and the other party says, no, no, no. You, you told me sometimes, you know, you're unhappy. You didn't tell me that you were in bed and you had to leave school for three weeks because you couldn't get out of bed. You didn't tell me that you were on a heavy dose of medication for a long time. It, it, it never, but I said that, I, so it has to be said in a way that's clear. You don't, you don't have to, you, you could put a positive spin on it to the extent that that's reasonable, but it should not be at the cost of honesty and factualness. You need to be very clear as to what it, what is actually going on. And you need to also give the person the means by which to get further information. And that's very important. Uh, whatever it is, last year we did a series of different talks about if you have uh, trauma in your history or if you have mental illness or you have addiction. So those are, we'll put those in the show notes, links to all of those, because there's a lot to talk about and how to talk about it and how to provide information for the other person or, and also in those talks, it's like if someone just shares that with you, what to do about sure. that. So mm -hmm. we have, we covered that. Okay, good. Okay.
So we have a few other questions that came in. Sure. I generally have a hard time making decisions. I'm the type that buys and returns and second guesses that uh, this is the biggest decision of my life and I can bring myself to commit, but I don't want this relationship to end. How do I decide? Okay, so this the, the person who wrote this question is is on the right track. They know themselves and they understand themselves. And that's very important. We, we were saying before about self-knowledge, and here's an instance where self-knowledge helps a lot. There are some people that are very confident in general in their decision-making. This is a big decision, and so they still need to take it um, with, with the proper uh, importance and slow it down. But if you know about yourself that you have a difficult time with decisions and, and you constantly um, have a hard time deciding on things, well, that's input to the question as to whether this is the right person. It's possible that, that you're just nervous because you tend to be nervous and, and you're, you're wondering about it and back and forth because that's how you always are with decisions. You still need to, again, be able to figure it out in this case. It is an, an important decision. So I don't want to minimize that and say, no, think of it as not an important decision. But sometimes when we, we build it up so big, then it becomes difficult to just look at this right here, at the factors right here. So let's go back to the beginning. Nobody knows that this is the right one. Nobody ever knows that this is the right one. That is the nature of life is we live with uncertainty. And if I, I once heard a speaker say, I don't remember who it was, I wish I did so I could quote it, um, but the speaker said that rather than think of it as a decision, I'm marrying this person for life, would you be willing to marry this person for a week? Okay, so it, it lowers the threshold in your mind. Now, I don't have to worry about my whole life. So now I, I could look at it a little bit more objectively would you be willing to marry this person for a week? And if you would be willing to marry this person for a week, then likely this person is really uh, someone who does meet the criteria for you. And then in that case, you could likely go ahead. Okay, I'm not telling you go ahead because I don't know you or your particular situation, but, but I think that being aware of the fact that this is a struggle of yours in decision-making maybe would help to just remove some of that, take out some of that anxiety. Would it be helpful to talk to somebody and talk it out and just, and, or have somebody else meet you as a couple or do something so that the decision is not only made by the Absol young person? Absolutely. And, and again, that goes back to what we were discussing before, having a good mentor and advisor. Um, yes, perhaps have people, uh, another person see you. A lot of times, if you have developed that kind of relationship with a mentor, as, as a therapist, I've had people who I've worked with for a while, who when they were dating and it was getting towards the point where they were considering getting engaged, they brought the other party. I, I generally see young men. I don't see a lot of young women, um, except in shidduch situations, I sometimes do. But in general, I'm working, you know, if I was working with someone long term, it would have been a young man. And then he brought the young woman in and we sat together and we schmoozed. And, and it was very helpful um, uh, to have an outside party who actually knew him well, have an opportunity to meet with the person for a period of time. Um, I, I should say that I've had other situations that came to me uh, where, where, and this is particularly um, uh, with people who have been dating a very long time. So when you have people, let's say, who are in their 30s and, and they've been dating so long and it's very difficult then to make decisions. And also, when I say make decisions, it's not only difficult to say yes, it's difficult to say no because you have so much invested already at that point and you've seen so many people and, and he might be the one and should I, she might be the one, how could I say no? So I've had instances where couples have come in, um, the, the couple themselves make an appointment, they come in, I give them a double session, I spend time with them together, I spend time with each one of them alone, and then I spend time with them together again, 
and just help them clarify their thinking. Again, never to make a decision for somebody else, but to help them clarify their thinking. And what I have had happen over the years is some, some of those shidduchim then went forward and that couple got married. And in other instances, it helped them clarify that, that this doesn't really make sense. Now that I ran it by a third party, someone who could see it from the outside, I, I know for myself, this isn't for me. And they then proceeded to, to uh, split up. Right. So I think it makes sense. Even though it may not be the community norms, but you have something that you yourself need to work out. There's no real rule that it cannot be uh, meeting with other people. And I think there's a lot of benefit, especially if someone is really trying to figure it out. So that yes. can be actually very helpful. Right. So uh, about com community norms, you know, I'm, I'm for the most part, I'm a conventionalist, but not at the cost of common sense. And, and there are, for every rule, there's an exception. And, and you should, in general, stick with the community norms if you've chosen to live in this community. Generally, you're buying into the general ideas of the community. But, but you can't check your brain at the door. You need to continue to think for yourself and decide whether this works for me or if I need to step outside those norms in order to really get that which I need. I think that's really important. Thank you. Okay, and one more question. We're so right on paper. We have the same values, the same type of family, similar backgrounds, and we enjoy each other's company. I'm just not feeling it. Is this something I should be thinking about or is this something we can do at our next date that could help me figure this out? So this, this type of thing is actually quite common. And, and, you know, again, the questioner is saying that, that on paper, this all works. And we've had the conversations. Um, what's quite common is that, that you have a couple dating and sometimes it's him and sometimes it's her. They, they realize, wow, this is the one. And then the other one says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm totally not holding there yet. Um, and, and that's, this sounds like that type of situation. So you've been dating and it seems to make sense, but I'm not feeling it. I, I, I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't yet. It hasn't really, um, I haven't gotten there yet. In, in those instances, the most common thing we advise people to do is just continue dating. Because what will happen is that either on the one hand, the, you know, I said sometimes one of them has already decided it's the right one and, and, and may have floated the idea um, between them. And, and the other one is not there, or like in this case, it doesn't say that specifically that the other person is ready. But as you continue to go out and as you continue to uh, have those encounters, it'll crystallize for you. And that may mean it'll crystallize, hey, this is the right one, or it may crystallize, oh, no, 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 I, this is not for me. Again, it, it's possible sometimes that you'll need to talk to uh, other people, but not necessarily in this case. In this case, just the the fact of continuing to see the other person and without the pressure, you know, uh, um, different communities are different uh, norms, like we were saying before. How many times should a couple date before they get engaged? I, I would say enough times that they're comfortable getting engaged. Okay. So, and, and then depending on the community, there may be a norm, there may be a number that people generally do, but what if you're not comfortable at that point, then you should continue to see each other and you continue to wait and see. And if, if you're thinking about questions to help you figure it out, it might help if you're talking it over with your parents or with a, a, a mentor, a guide, and to try to see if you could put your finger on what is it about this shidduch that you really like? What is it about this shidduch that you really wonder about? And generally what I've helped people do over the years is, is uh, design a question to answer it. Like sometimes a person just got this sense that, that the other party is a bit lackadaisical and is not really responsible. So what, what could we ask them about it? I, I don't like the idea of setting traps and, and tricking them, those types of things that they're dishonest. And again, it goes back to trust. You know, would you be happy? Would you be comfortable married to someone who does things like that to you? And instead to, to just design a question that would, that would um, or a topic that would just take us towards that thing 
and then see what the person has to say. So uh, for the other person who doesn't have a specific thing, they just really want to maybe get comfortable with the whole idea of marriage. Like a month ago, I didn't even know you. And like, it's just huge. But they really covered all the information that they really need to know. So would they be having more conversations or doing things that could help them feel more comfortable as a couple? So I think that, you know, first of all, in the dating process, you know, what do you do when you go on dates? So in, in a lot of, in a lot of our couples, they go to lounges in the beginning, but, but that, that's pretty boring. Although I, I have to say that I, I, I know couples that they just love the idea to lounge and they never, they never ex expanded the repertoire beyond that. It worked for them. So it's specific to the individual. Again, you know, you don't have to follow the norm. But usually couples will also do other types of things, see each other in a more casual way, in a more casual setting, I mean, um, uh, uh, try to see how the person is in different ways. Remember, you know, if, if we really needed to get to know the person thoroughly in order to marry them, none of this would make any sense. That's why to start designing additional ways, I'm going to get to know them like this and like that. You're not getting to know them that way. You need to know their character and what they're about and where they're headed, but you don't, you're never going to know them. So when I say to continue the dating process, I would just continue the dating process. So if they were going out already, you know, they, they are going out to eat, they're catching a dessert, whatever it is they're doing, some activity data, it's all good. It doesn't really make a difference because it's the process of spending more time around the person. And in, in my experience, that, that generally helps the person, whatever it is that's going on to crystallize, whether they decide they want in or they decide they want out, it'll usually come with some more time together. It, it does happen sometimes where people literally get stuck. You know, they've gone out seven, eight, 10 times and, and they still, they have no idea where they are. Those, those instances, you must speak to somebody else. Generally, by the way, at a certain point, the other party is getting impatient with you. If you don't figure yourself out at a certain point, they, they can't risk their heart that far. Like, okay, you need to decide. So you're anyway going to be up against it. And by the way, um, going back also to that person who, who finds they have a difficult time making decisions, I've had instances where someone says, I'll just keep dating. And if they drop me, so they drop me, so I don't have to decide. That's also a decision. You're deciding to continue dating until the other person breaks off, meaning you've decided to break it off. So then you're not being responsible by, by allowing that other person you know, to lead them along. It's just not fair. So if you find yourself in a place where you, you really are just caught and you can't decide, that, that is a sign you must talk to somebody and talk it through, and really talk it through. Talk out both sides of it, not, not just, well, should I marry them? Or, or maybe I should get, so talk out both sides of it. It's almost like making a balance sheet, the positives and the negatives, and, and then seeing um, what it is. A lot of times it's possible to figure out what is it, what is that, that niggling doubt over there? And, and again, you have to know that you will not absolutely know. Someone once said to me, you know, I, I wish if Mashiach were here, I'd go to a Navi and he'd tell me whether I should marry her or not. I said, that wouldn't help you because you want someone to tell you that you're going to live happily ever after. And if the Navi told you to marry her, he wouldn't be telling you you're never going to have difficulties. He's just going to be telling you that Hashem planned these particular difficulties for you. Regardless, you're going to have arguments and fights, and you're going to have moments of regret, and you're going to have moments of absolute ecstasy and happiness. That's part of what being married is. It, it's about life. It's about living. So you're going to have all of that. Enough he would at least remove that doubt. Well, this particular challenge is the one that was, that was intended for me. And that takes us all the way back to the beginning, that question of commitment. Once you made that decision, that's it. I'm with this person through thick and thin, and it doesn't make a difference. I know I'm going to have 
difficulties. I know there will be rough patches, but I have decided that I am going to make it work regardless. And if you have two people that are willing to do that, then it's reasonable to take the leap and to be, not that you're going to live happily ever after. You will not be happy all the time, but that you could live together ever after. Amen. I think that's a really great way to wrap that up. So thank you. So if, if I may, just to end, first of all, I, I would like to say a tefillah to Hashem that everybody in Klal who's looking for a zivig and particularly the people who are uh, watching this, Hashem should help you and you should find your correct zivig Bakara. I, I just want to say two things. One, if, if you have been dating a while and you are continuing to look for your zivig and have not yet found that person, it is very important to continue to live your life. I've seen people put their, their lives on hold I'm not going to take that trip there to Israel. I'm not going to do that vacation because I, I, I'm, I'm dating and I'll meet the one. It's very important to continue to live. And just by way of hope, I, I would like to share uh, a story about my own daughter. And she gave me permission to say it over. Actually, the couple gave me permission to say it over. But my daughter uh, had been dating a while. And then we hit a dry spell. And, and a month passed and two months, and it wasn't that she hadn't had a date. She hadn't had a suggestion. And we were reaching out to Shat Khanim three months, six months, a year, not a single date, not a single suggestion. Occasionally, we heard that people were calling her references, but nothing. 14, 16, about 18 months without a serious suggestion. And then a suggestion came. So the shidduch that came, uh, my brother's wife was talking to a friend of hers. And the friend said that someone had gone out with this boy, and he's a really nice boy, and she wishes that she could think of a shidduch for him. And my sister-in-law said, oh, I have a niece. So one party didn't really know the boy, but knew his name. One party knew the girl, and they made the suggestion. And the suggestion came to us and ironic we happened to be going to Eretz Yisrael for a week and we we never this is not a common thing for us to be going away but they they had said yes and the suggestion came to us I called the Shatran and I said I, I just started doing my research but we're going away for a week please let them know we're interested but we can't answer yet and it waited a week and we came back and she went out with him and Baruch Hashem, they're married and they have several children, Kanayinara. And it happened very quickly once it happened. You have to keep in mind, Yeshua Hashem Keherifayim. Hashem's salvation, it comes in the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. If you're sitting here, if you're watching this and you're feeling discouraged, right now, your shidduch could be suggested. It could come to you today. And whatever amount of time it takes from the time you get the suggestion, whatever your dating process is, you could be married very shortly. Never lose hope. I mean, that's a nice way to end. So thank you. You're welcome. How can people reach you if they want to talk to you about dating or just relationship? And do you only work with Bahram? So I generally do work with Bahram. Um, I have had instances where people have come to me, young, young women have come. I'm, I'm not in, in general, I would refer a young woman. She should see a woman for many reasons. Not, not merely the sneeze reason, which is a very good reason, uh, all by itself. I, I would feel very uncomfortable with someone, uh, a man in our community who's seeing young women in this way. It's not for, for obvious reasons. It, it, it does um, raise a red flag. Um, at the same time, there have been times when I've gotten calls from, from mothers asking me, um, would you talk to my daughter? Um, and in such instances, I have at times done so with the mother, not necessarily present in the room, but present in the office, um, because, you know, that's more appropriate. Um, I think also, uh, often a, a woman will have a better understanding of the particular concerns and and the uh, personality and just what it means to be a woman in a kala. 
I never had that experience, Baruch Hashem. So I'm not really qualified to, to do that. So generally, I'll work with, with a guy. I, I do work with a couple, including an, a dating couple or an engaged couple, as well as married couples. Um, and and um, I, I think that's the best uh, way to do things. Makes sense. So how can someone reach you? So uh, my email address is mayor, M-A-Y-E-R, at Mayor Zuckerman, L-C-S-W, one, one word, and that's M-A-Y-E-R-Z-U-C-K-E-R-M-A-N-L-C-S-W.com. Okay, and we'll also have that in the show notes in case someone didn't catch that. So sure. thank you so much. This was really insightful. I think we covered a lot, and there's so much more to talk about, but we did our hour, and I think that we can definitely reach out to other podcasts that we've talked about. So Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. And you can find more from Shidduch You at our website at adayad.org. That's all A's, A-D-A-I-A-D.org on the Shidduch You page. Or you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, definitely reach out to us at info at adayad.org.